Now back to the Matt Mosley Show on ESPN Central Texas. Audio is the Matt Mosley Show. As uh, we react to the Cowboys season coming to an abrupt halt. And um, we got Joseph Hoyt, formerly of the Dallas Morning News, Texas Lone Star Live, now part of Advanced Local. And um, Joe and I usually sit close to each other for Cowboys games and uh, up there in the press box. And uh, Joe, it was, uh, that's, uh, I mean, there have been some, there have been some rough ones, but to have that kind of opportunity and that kind of that kind of just unbelievable failure, um, it does feel like kind of what you were writing about today, which is change is coming to the Cowboys. Because if it's not, like I Jerry sometimes will check the temperature and and kind of go, I wonder if I could run this back. Like I wonder if there's like some presentation I could make and kind of run this back and I I think this was so embarrassing Joseph that uh, that would be a hard one to sell to uh, to Cowboys fans you know I think so too I mean and considering matches just how stunning yesterday was I mean it's funny as a writer you know obviously our job is to have words and there was a point during that game where I had no words I I you know I of all the possibilities (laughs) I thought about going into that game, a 27 to nothing boat race to start was not among them. And, and I think that's kind of what opens up this entire discussion is because I can guarantee you that Jerry Jones, that wasn't fathomable to him as well. And, uh, you know, I think it, it, one thing about Jerry, I, I don't think he was lying last night when he said, you know, I have, I haven't thought about it yet um, that he's going to think about it. And I think he's going to take a little bit of time here, um, not only out of, you know, respect for the process, but for respect for what Mike McCarthy and, and everyone else has done there. You know, they just had exit interviews today, but this is going to be something that he's going to address eventually. And I, I think, you know, the winds of change, it, it wouldn't be unfathomable to think that they could be sparked by what happened yesterday. Yeah. And you were out there for some kind of exit interviews used to be, I remember at the end of the season, sometimes you would even catch players, coming out of the parking lot in the old days or we we uh todd archer and i once caught bill parcells going to his car hanging out there in the parking lot and he gave us the he he let us break the news that he was returning for one more season that would have been that was the 2006 season it's a little bit different now you can you got the warm uh indoors you know you could go in there but i would imagine that players weren't lining up like Everybody was at their locker dying to talk to the media. Any uh, Were you able to gather? I think I saw Jordan Lewis talked and a few others. What was the general vibe? Was it still – were the players almost still in a fog, did you find? Was there, was there any defiance? What was, the, what was the mood like? I think maybe the most telling aspect was we get into the locker room and we're waiting there because we only had about an hour, hour and ten minutes of designated time. And we get in there, we're kind of waiting, and the first guy that comes in is undrafted rookie backup guard T.J. Bass, who if you get to know T.J., you know, he'll give you good information, but he's also not the most loud person. He's not the most talkative person. And all of a sudden, you know, he comes in, goes to his locker, and he looks back, and just cameras are racing to him because (laughs) there was just such an urgency to talk to anyone. 
and try to get some feeling 24 hours at less than 24 hours after such a shocking defeat that, Hey, let's go talk to TJ. And eventually, you know, Cavante Turpin talked as well. So did Jordan Lewis and Jordan Lewis has been candid and, and open, you know, every single time. Um, but, you know, aside from that, there wasn't much foot traffic in there in the locker room today. Um, players actively went out of the way to avoid going in the locker room. The players that did kind of took care of their business and walked out. C.D. Lamb, you know, was one of them. And he talked last night, um, but he walked in, kind of dropped something off his locker and immediately turned around and walked out. Um, you know, it was one of those kind of situations where, uh, you know, I, I think that there was just still kind of shock and, and utter disappointment about what happened yesterday because you touched on it, Matt. They had everything lined up in front of them to go to the conference style game for the first time since 1995. And in not in doing so, they became the first team to have 12 wins in three straight seasons to not make a conference title game in any of those seasons. All right. I feel like you've been in some coaching searches over covering the SMU Mustangs. You get your first Cowboys coaching search, perhaps. We'll see. The Belichick thing, Joe, doesn't doesn't ring true to me. I, I just don't think Jerry did not love the Parcells experience. It he now looks back on it fondly, and they have a fine relationship. But Jerry couldn't be Jerry with Bill looming so large. Now Parcells loved like the media way more than Belichick. Right, Bill. That's a different experience. Like Bill didn't mind giving us a lot, and be he was great to talk to. Way different from Belichick in in that regard. This is going to be interesting. I just don't see that one. Now, I mean, it is. I mean, him the greatest. There is kind of that the ringmaster part of Jerry that loves the thought of the greatest coach of all time coming to the big top coming to this huge platform, but I don't see it. I mean, he wants too much power. He can't have that much power here. How would the Will McClay, how would that all fit? So I don't see that one. Or any of these other names, do you agree with me on that? And do any of these other names, potential names, grab your attention? I, To me, Jerry would have a lot more fun with Pete Carroll if he wanted to go the 70-year-old route. <laughs> yeah, which is funny when you kind of look at it that way. But I think, Matt, the first thing you got to start off is if you're going to make a coaching change, why, right? Ultimately, and, and obviously, you know, I just I laid it out before this, you know, the, the juxtaposition between regular season success and playoff squandering is, is apparent. But if you're going to kind of go out of your way, then, then, you know, with this roster, with this quarterback, you know, who's now would be getting a new offense, you know, for the third year in a row, um, you know, where do you go or, do, you know, do you think that you just trust to run it back? I, I think at the end of the day, Jerry's turning 82 this year. Um, you know, you mentioned the Bill Parcells thing, but I think there's going to be a real urgency to not mess this up, to not blow it up, but to also find someone who can take them over the top. Um, you know, I think in the coming days, that's going to be some of the questions. Mike McCarthy, what is your plan for doing it? Um, and maybe, you know, you never know. Maybe that, that satisfies him enough to run it back one more time. Um, or they go out and have to find a new head coach. And, and to your point about the Belichick thing, it feels weird. Um, it feels, you know, why would he kind of want to, you know, do run the same operation with Will McClay after he's been the, the, the personnel guy for so long? Um, you know, I think the media aspect, I think, you know, he wouldn't mind deferring to Jerry on that. And 
you know, I think the thing that kind of keeps coming out is they are close friends or they've developed a close friendship over the years. So I think it's worth watching. But at the end of the day, if you're going to get rid of Mike McCarthy, you're going to have to find someone who's ready to take a roster like this over the top. And I think that those options are a little bit few and far between. And, you know, and I know Mike Rabel's out there, Jim Harbaugh's meeting with the Chargers today. Maybe you can entice him to take one more visit. Um, but, you know, I think it's, it's, it's not an easy decision one way or the other. But right now I think it's pretty obvious that what they've done in the regular season versus the playoffs is not, simply not working. Joseph Hoyt joining the Matt Mosley Show, ESPN Central Texas, covers the Cowboys for, and you can find that uh, his Twitter is at Joe J. Hoyt. Um, I wish we would, I wish you had that do all over again. We would, uh, we would just take the, the middle initial out, but we, I don't think we can, we can redo that. You still have a <laughs> great following. Uh, and at Texas Lone Star Live, uh, part of the advanced local. Um, what if they look at your organ guy, uh, Dan Lanning? <laughs> now, wouldn't that be, I mean, there's one name that has not come up. I mean, that's one of the hottest coaches. I know all these guys just got new deals. That would be fascinating. I, again, I don't think that's going to happen, but Jerry, you know, does not generally look at the college coach. But, you know, like Sark, for instance, he was with the Falcons. I mean, he has some NFL experience. Um, and you got to look at, too, at like, how do you not look at what LaFleur just did to you and go, well, wait, doesn't LaFleur have a little brother out there somewhere who's an offensive coordinator? I mean, and, and, and it really is kind of crazy that, like, Dan Quinn, you saw that, Dan Quinn, all those guys he had in Atlanta have all turned around and just put it to him. Dan, Dan Quinn, Dan Quinn's Atlanta assistants, Kyle Shanahan, of course, being at the top of that, have all turned around and stuck it to him. Um, and, again, that's one th- aspect we hadn't really talked about is how bad that defense was. I mean, I watched it yesterday. I don't usually – I'll admit it, you know, from an X's and O's standpoint. I don't want to shock you, Joe. But, I mean, there's – I'm not <laughs> sitting there like, oh, they're in 12 personnel. Oh, they're in 11 personnel. I'm not looking at that. But I do see it. When Micah Parsons is up there in the A-gap and turns around and races back in coverage, like that's in, – in, on one of those plays, I mean, they, I think that was one of the times they made a big play to Romeo Dobbs. I mean, it just it, – you talk about being caught off guard. Dan Quinn, and I know he's undersized at linebacker, and there's reasons for that, and there's been injuries. But, I mean, it was like whatever he was doing – is exactly what Lafleur wanted him to do, right? Like, leave, go light in the box, and let us just run at you like crazy. I mean, it, to me, they made it extremely easy on a on a inexperienced quarterback, and there's no excuse for that. Yeah, I, I think Matt. One of my favorite statistics, advanced numbers, is adva- uh, is average yards of separation when targeted. You know, and that mm-hmm. just explains that's obviously when quarterback yeah. targets a guy, how how far is the closest defender, a.k.a. How, how wide open are they getting? I tweeted at one point, I think Romeo Dobbs' average yards of separation has to be 20 yards because <laughs> I've, I have never seen a guy run so wide open so many times <laughs> against the same defense. And I think it's telling, um, you know, because the biggest thing about the Cowboys is, you know, they've been a dominant defense. 
because they were kind of doing their own. They were doing what they did best, right? They they ran a lot of man. They they used their athleticism. They let Micah Parsons run, and I, I kind of thought it was almost a microcosm the entire day. All of a sudden, they flip everything on their head and they decide to run a lot of zone. They say, "Hey, we're going to run a lot of dime against your twelve personnel." To your point, and it was kind of opposite of what they've done all season, and kind of led to opposite results. And I, like I said, I think a microcosm of what happened. You know, Dak Prescott and C.D. Lamb, for example, that was a connection they forged over hours and hours and hours of off-season work, and we saw it play out. You know, especially on slant routes, and kind of what happens against Green Bay. All of a sudden, their connection is off. Um, Dak stares him down on one and dismisses Darnell Savage, kind of creeping on a double yeah. slant that, like, normally you, he kind of have the presence to know where that is. Um, you know, something he just missed it. You know, obviously the home winning streak goes, you know, poof in, in, in one fell swoop. And it, it just felt like a, a day. And this is kind of the thing that if I'm Jerry Jones, you know, he said he didn't ask himself why or how during that game. I, I think everyone else was asking why or how that happened because it was so shocking for a team that had done so many things so well for all those things to be flipped on its head. And I think the defense's use of zone and their performance highlighted a lot of it. You brought up. Dak, I, I don't know. I think they will rally around him because they always do. And I don't really know if they have a choice. I mean, I know the easy answer right now is say, what about Trey Lance? Trey Lance is here. You traded for Trey Lance. I mean, I this you know, he's put up unbelievable numbers. At one point he was the MVP candidate. There are other quarterbacks around the league that struggle around playoff time. It's just, boy, it, to do it as much as he has. And and even this season, when they were so great at home and all of that, you know, some of these games, whether it be San Francisco, Buffalo, I mean, these signature and then the huge playoff game, well, to come up short, I, again, I don't think there's any recourse. As I was kind of joking with Ed Werner last night on, on the, the Doomsday podcast, he always has them over the barrel. Like, he's the one quarterback, and I'm, I'm sure there are other quarterbacks that have been like this in the NFL, but it's like, he can get a bad injury, right? And his leverage goes up even more because they were so bad without him. It's kind of like they he had him in where he needed him. And now in in the past there would be teams like, "Hey, is this our guy? Or do we keep riding with this?" And in my mind, they're going to double down on him and he's going to get a huge You can't leave it the deal like it is right now. Do you where do you think this is headed with Dak? And do you see any scenario where they could somehow try to move off of him? Yeah, I think to your, one of your points earlier, I, I, I think you got to give a lot of credit to his agent, Todd France, who clearly was playing checkers compared or a chess compared to checkers with this one because to have the foresight to, to include a $60 million cap hit to go with his no-trade clause is – you know, it's kind of one of the. It almost feels like, like a, like a thing in Saw. There's no way out of this. You know what I mean? For you, for the Cowboys, there's, there's no easy out. So, uh, you know, I think that obviously they're going to probably talk extension to try and get that cap it down, especially with a bunch of other guys that are about to get paid and Micah Parsons and CeeDee Lamb theoretically. Um, and so I think that there is no way out. And you know, and I, I don't. It's one of those things with Dak. I, it's this is my first year covering the Cowboys. Right. But it's so interesting to me for, for, you know, just like the Cowboys in general, that so good during this regular season, there were points 
where I thought Dak was playing flawless. And that was just a different Dak Prescott last night. And I, I know that's not breaking news to Cowboys fans. You know, that change, you know, in scenery once the playoffs comes. But even he was kind of dumbfounded by it. If you, you know, if you were there and if, if you listen to his post-game press conference, it's, hey, I wish I had an answer for you. I don't know why this is happening. So to, to answer your question, I don't think there's a way to get off of him, you know, with the no trade clause and the $60 million cap hit. Um, you know, I think maybe, you know, Trey Lance, I, I, you know, I doubt they'd pick up his fifth-year option and let him ride out in the contract year. But maybe that gives Mike McCarthy or a new head coach enough time to also figure out, hey, do we want to run with him potentially on a cheap deal in 2025 um, after he sat for a few years? I mean, we just saw what happened with Jordan Love, who got to sit mm-hmm. and, and watch for a few years. Um, but aside from that, I, I don't think there are a lot of options for the Cowboys. I was saying earlier that the Packers, they're going to end up with three quarterbacks if, if, if Love continues on this arc and he ends up being really good. That's like... How many years is that? Think about that. 1992. Well, let's say this guy goes eight or nine years with them. To, to go on top of Favre and Rodgers, I mean, we're going up on like 40 years. That would be 40 years. So they're, they're entering like their third decade of superb quarterback play. Um, I mean, the Cowboys have just absolutely lucked out. With Romo undrafted, and and getting Dak in the fourth round, so in a lot of ways they have, but they just don't have that much to show for it. And now Dak, I mean, they have a ton of you know wins, and records and yardage, but I, I find it interesting that boy people think uh, Danny White is a failure, and yet that guy went to NFC title games, and I think I saw where he was maybe five and five in playoff games, and he's considered like this huge failure. And and yet Romo, I think maybe one two, and now Dax two and five, and the only thing you could hang your hat. On, well, I mean, like I don't know. I, I, the only what was you? I don't know what else they could do around him to make you think going into next season. Oh man, this is going to be different. This is going to be different in the playoffs because if you bring back McCarthy, it's the same play caller. I mean, you're gonna pretty much. Maybe you could upgrade your offensive line a tad. I don't know what you're going to do with Pollard. Probably move off him. I I, I don't. I I just don't see any scenario where you bring McCarthy back, and it it it's like you get people excited. Uh, other than, I mean, I I I don't know what you're going to add in the draft. I I don't know. I I just right now, it just Joseph. It seems pretty bleak. It's it's in a rock and a hard place situation for sure, um, and I think that's what Jerry's trying to decipher over the next you know twenty four or forty eight hours is is where do we go from here and is it possible to keep the band together and run, run it back and to take the next step? History, recent history would tell us probably not, um, which I think is in my opinion the reason that invites change, but. I also don't think there's an easy solution to go outside and externally and bring in new people and, 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 and try and make something else happen. I mean, it's, it, it's, I think that's what makes last night so interesting is they had a path. They have a lot of talent. I, I was going over the roster with another reporter today and I'm like, man, I'm just looking around the locker room. I'm like, they have a lot of talent here, not talent, not reminiscent of what had happened last night. Um, 
it's kind of mind blowing. I, there's a, there's an account on Twitter, Cowboy Stats and Graphics, that does an incredible job with advanced metrics reporting that. And that account has come to a conclusion using, I mean, after, after years and years of, of, of putting out objective data, that the Cowboys are just simply cursed. <laughs> so, so if we've, I think that that's the point where, where people have gotten that even despite all the objective data out there, there's, there's no other explanation for it aside from a curse. And it can't be the Jimmy Johnson one anymore because he's up there now. So, so what is it? And yeah. I, I think that's a lot of people are trying to figure out. I think Jimmy, after that game, or may, I think it was at halftime, I'm sure you've seen that video, mm-hmm. like he displayed the passion. I mean, it, that's the problem, is that there are all these legends that are still out there that we constantly hear from. You know, Troy, Emmett, Michael, sometimes Michael for the wrong reasons, but all of the, Jim, you know, Jimmy, and, and you're just constantly reminded of the great times. And, and it just, again, it, it puts more light on how long they've been in the wilderness and and they just coughed up another i mean that's why next time somebody starts telling me oh my gosh you know i we just we we just have to you have to keep getting reminded time and time again not to trust this organization because Mm -hmm. facing two home games in a wonderful route to get to the nfc title game they just they just went out there and gagged and there's i mean it just horrible and uh, so here we are today. Joseph, uh, good stuff, man. I've enjoyed uh, getting to see you out there at the games. See, I'll be seeing you, I'm sure, some of this off season. Thank you for taking the time today. And uh, we'll uh, get some rest and then get, you know, get jump on this coaching search, this possible <laughs> coaching search. All right. Appreciate you. Take care, Matt. Joseph Hoyt. There he goes. Uh, on the Matt Mosley Show, ESPN. Central Texas.